Welcome to the Home Fire Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Elliott, and I'm a songwriter, artist, author, and poet. I spend most of my time seeking inspiration in stories and songs, and I'll be sharing many of them in these episodes from the road or in my home studio in Lamoni, Iowa. What sparks your fire? How do you keep it burning? Let's begin. We all have places where we go in our imaginations to find peace. I think we create them when we're younger, and we use them throughout life as a form of meditation, to find solace in life's challenges and most difficult moments. This episode is about that place. I'll begin in 1984. See, I was about 10 years old then. I was a small town shy kid with dishwater blonde hair, big gray blue eyes, skinny legs, and a big noggin. I was a daydreamer, a bit of a space cadet. I was always looking out windows, you know, whether it be the car classroom or my bedroom. I was easily fascinated and entertained. I was pretty quiet as well. But let me tell you, I was full of fire, wonder, imagination, and yes, a bit of rebellion. I had three siblings, and we were all close in age. There were lots of little fights, and uh, We all knew we loved each other, but we all kind of lived in our own world. Julie, my oldest sister by three years, um, was downstairs in her room, often reading a book in silence and solitude, away from the crazy world upstairs. Sherry, my twin sister by five minutes, which means I'm a middle child, she's the youngest, um, she had a bedroom upstairs across from my bedroom. And it was a messy room. I don't know how she could come out of that room being so put together, but she did. And she would often be talking to her friends on the phone in that room. And she was always full of sunshine, optimism, and laughter. And then I had my older brother, Eric. He was older by a year and a half. We were pretty close in age, so we were similar in size. Um, He was just a little stronger a little more mature, and we did not get along very well. We fought a lot. There was lots, often bullying and teasing and taunting each other, but that's kind of how brothers roll. But, you know, when he was just cooler than me. He had cooler friends. He wore cooler clothes. He knew all about the cooler music that was going on. And, uh, you know, we'd be fighting, and after a fight was over, you know, anger would be burnt off, mostly forgotten. I mean, blood could be shed, and yet we always knew we had each other's backs. And then we were all raised by this superwoman, my mother, a single mom, a 
small frame, kind woman, whip smart and independent, a, f- a feminist in middle America, in a little town of Guthrie Center, Iowa. And she was just navigating the waters, being this feminist, alone in a small conservative town, living on a teacher's salary and with four unruly children. Um, We needed food stamps often at the beginning of her teaching career. Couldn't really make ends meet half the time. And uh, I don't know how she kept her sanity, honestly, with us four kids. Um, I think it helped that she had a healthy sense of humor. And she had fellow teachers that would come over to our house and gather for taco nights. Uh, We would be laughing and I'd be sitting on the floor sketching and they'd be telling all these personal jokes and um, with great humor uh, about the administrators and fellow teachers and I got the scoop kind of eavesdropping and uh, knew a lot about what was going on in, in the high school as a kid so there we were you know it was a great childhood and we were lived on this hillside on North 12th Street in Guthrie Center this big old farmhouse that had been moved in uh, town. So we were there kind of just living this uh, this small town existence. And um, I hope you're there with me right now. There in the, that big old house in North 12th Street. So right about now, as a listener, I imagine you're thinking to yourself, is this a storytelling podcast or is this a music podcast? Well, it's a little bit of both. Just hang tight. There will be music coming up. Now I'll get back to the story. When I think back on my 10-year-old self, to talk more about the house and the way we lived because my siblings and I were so close in age we fought a lot but it was a a lot of it was survival of the fittest because we'd be walking home from school my mom was still working and we'd remember oh there's a scoop of ice cream left in the freezer and whoever got to that freezer first got to enjoy it and all-out brawl could ensue because of that cookies and cream ice cream and my mom had no idea that that was going on um so i had to create this place in my mind if it was a stressful day or something like that i would imagine myself in the this field out underneath the stars complete silence and solitude and uh that got me through those tricky times and I think a lot of people do that they're more of a meditative place that they can calm themselves down and anxiety and stress and I remember my mom tried doing that you know as a teacher she her first week of being a teacher we had just moved to this town and my poor older sister was told to babysit us we didn't know anybody in town And so we couldn't get a babysitter yet. 
So my older sister was going to babysit us, and she was only a year older than Eric and three years older than my sister and I. So us listening to her was proved pretty difficult, and, and I feel sorry for her thinking back on that. Um, but we'd be calling my mom, you know, that first week, and she'd have to walk down from her classroom all the way to... Uh, the office to answer the phone and we'd be fighting and Julie would be trying to solve the get get my mom to solve the problems that we were having and she finally got fed up and she said don't call me until someone's bleeding and then half an hour later Julie called my mom again mom Eric's bleeding <laughs> so it was a very stressful house and it was a lot of love but there were a lot of uh, fights as well I remember one fight in particular. It was on this day in 1984. My my mom and I had it out, had it out, and I uh, was very disrespectful and rude. And she just said, "Go up to your room and think about what you've done wrong." Now my room was upstairs, and it was a complete disaster zone. Clothes everywhere, sketchbooks, action figures, ventriloquist dummies. I know, I was a weird kid. Anyway, there were dirty dishes all throughout the room. It was about a 20 by 25 foot wood paneled room. God knows what lay under the bed. Spoiled food sometimes. Other times there were dirty magazines. You get the idea. But on this day, I remember storming up to my room after this bout with my mom, and she told me not to come down until I learned what I was sorry for. Well, I had no plans of being sorry whatsoever. Instead, I decided I had had enough of this house. I began to pack, plan my escape, and I was going to finally run away. Now, let me stop right there, because I need to give you a little background here. You see, I ran away all the time. <laughs> I ran away to neighbors' houses as a kid. I ran away on vacations. I mean, I ran away in the Redwood Forest, Yellowstone. I ran away just to get attention. Um, I remember running away even in my sleep. I was a sleepwalker, and I remember watching my mom watch TV, and everyone's in bed, and I was half awake, half asleep, running away, down down to sleep on the porch outside. I was always running away, and so I don't want you thinking this is like an at-risk moment. <laughs> I mean, yes, there are at-risk children. There are also at-risk parents. My mom was one of them. <laughs> So back to the story. I began packing my crimson red Lamoni demons bag, had out a white drawstring, and you could sling it over your shoulder like an old hobo. I gathered my essentials. I gathered everything I could think that I would need. It was almost comical. I put a toothbrush in there that I found in my desk. Uh, some clean underwear, which I was very proud of, my Boy Scouts manual, and a 1980s NFL stats book 
with the Super Bowl champions from that year, the Pittsburgh Steelers, on the cover. I don't know why I packed it. I guess it was just pleasure reading, I suppose. And uh, the window to my bedroom it led to a steep roof up. And uh, I could go up the roof and then down the other side and jump onto the garage. And then onto the yard is a little bit longer jump there, but I could land in the backyard and I was free. I mean, I could feel my heart racing. I knew what I was doing was wrong. But something inside me thought, this is the last time I'm going to run away. I'm going to do it for real this time. And that made it even more thrilling. So somehow I managed to muster up the courage. And I took that jump. And I hit that yard. And I took off running. And I thought, I'm going to get to the edge of town. And I'm going to find this field that I had imagined. Now, I just desperately wanted to be alone. Away from everybody. But it seemed like every house I passed, I felt like everyone was watching me out their window going, what is he doing? Now thinking back, I'm thinking it's just a 10 year old carrying a bag down a sidewalk. Uh, it, was, it was not as uh, rebellious as I imagined, but back then it was a real thing. I thought I was gonna be gone for good and they're gonna, everyone's gonna be looking for me. And I just was gonna be getting so much attention from this anyway I wanted to be away from everybody every rule every chore all the fights that I had with my siblings I just wanted to daydream and lay beneath the stars and I could almost taste that freedom I got to the edge of town I passed my friend's house I didn't even tell him I thought I'm just gonna get to the edge of town and I'm going to hightail it. And as soon as I hit the gravel road, I realized it was a real thing. And I kept hearing these sirens in my head thinking, this is probably going to get you into a lot of trouble if you really take this leap. And you leave and it was, the sun was about ready to set. And I thought, I'm going to get in so much trouble. And that, that somehow outweighed my desire for freedom and, and solitude. And uh, so I stopped there. And I sat there for about 10, 15 minutes, really weighing the options. I imagined what I would eat, where I would find food. And at that time, there was a lot of kidnappings of 12-year-old boys. And I was only 10. And I thought... I could be kidnapped and all these fears started to play in and I also weighed in the love of my family and I thought of my mom and and my siblings and and I thought you know what life is not that bad back home on that in that house on North 12th Street so I stopped I turned around and I started walking home. So there I was. I made it back to the house. I stood on the garage roof, looking up at my window, dumbfounded, wondering, how in the hell am I going to get back up there without my mom knowing? And 
Five seconds after I thought that, she came around that corner and saw me standing there looking completely dumbfounded with my Lamona Demon's drawstring bag slung over my shoulder and a look of terror came over my face and I think she quickly realized that I had tried to run away. Now, my mom is amazing in crisis. That's kind of her job. After becoming a teacher, she was an administrator and she had to learn how to roll with the punches and uh, when things get real my mom gets calm much like her own mom and probably her grandma before her and her grandma before her the women in my family are all cool heads in the middle of crisis sure we can all get exasperated and emotional but when it mattered my mom was at the top of the game she was exceptional and this day, my tail-tucking day, was no exception. I remember her sitting me down in the living room and calmly, sweetly asked what my plans were going to be. She showed me compassion, calm, and she took me serious. And I remember apologizing and knowing that that was probably the last time I was ever going to run away. And that, given the choice, I preferred my family over being alone and I could fake it no more but I always kept hold of that certain place in my own mind beneath the shining stars and I finally wrote about it years later now this song has a couple of versions to it the first version I recorded was on my little home recording system and I used this little Casio keyboard and I created this little cheesy drum loop on it. And I put it on an album that I home produced and pressed myself. And I probably sold to only about 100 people. It was called Swiftshire. Um, but here's a little sample of that first version. Just a little bit of it. Just do this once. Just to entertain me Just close your eyes and imagine the ceiling Opened up so you could see the sky It's gorgeous out tonight but it's slipping by We're like shining stars Shining stars Shining stars burn deep in the night So that's the version. It's a little embarrassing, and uh, it's a pretty lo-fi, but uh, that's the version that actually caught my mother-in-law's ear. And it's a it's another dimension to the song. Um, she loved that song. She openly stated that that was her favorite song of mine. And uh, she loved it so much that she put it in her going-away file. A going away file is the file you, you create all the details of your own celebration of life and funeral service. You see, she passed away the week of our wedding. And when we found that file, it was in there, this slip of paper saying that she wanted me to sing Shining Stars at her funeral. Um, I was honored. So I can't think, I can't help but think of her um, when I sing that song. 
as well as my younger self and my family and uh, the story that initially inspired the song. That's the strange and wonderful thing about songs, isn't it? I mean, we listen to them, we sing them, sometimes write them, we find our favorites, and depending on where we are in our life, they hold different meaning. It's like looking into a prism glass from all the different angles. And songs somehow help us define our own lives by where we are on our timeline. I suppose that's one of the best parts about writing and sharing songs. I mean, they're like little small windows that are into the cosmos that I can look through. Like pinpricks in the blanket of night. Shining little stars for which to guide us. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please let more people know about the Home Fire podcast. And please stay tuned for the next one. You can find out more about my music and my tour schedule and my artwork at chadelliot.net. And now, the entire song of Shining Stars. This version was recorded live at Sun Studio in Memphis, Tennessee with my band The Redemptions. Keep the home fires burning, dear friends, in your hearts and in your minds.
So say a prayer and try to think of me As I've gone away to chase down this crazy dream I'll think of you every time I sing a song I'll think of you as I'm lying on my back looking on The shining stars The shining stars The shining stars